Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. This morning's message is called, Say It So. Take a deep breath, all right? Sometimes when I ask for you to do something in church, it's like whispering. This morning though, we're gonna, we're gonna do something different, right? So when I say, say it, I hope to hear back a very loud, because look at this, this is not, this is a megaphone. Did you catch that? It's a megaphone. Megaphones don't do anything but make noise, right? So you whisper through that, it's still gonna be loud. You don't have a megaphone this morning, so I expect you to say, say it. Say it. Beautiful, beautiful. This is what we'll do throughout the morning. There'll be moments where I'm gonna check to see if you're awake, and if you are, we're gonna have you say, say it. Say it. <laughs> wow. Hey, have you ever been in a position where you said some words that you wished with all your might, you could pull them back in and put them back somewhere that you could just forget that they've ever been mentioned? Have you ever been in that place where you've said words that you immediately regretted, but they were out there and you couldn't do anything about it except grovel at that point to the person that you just said those words to. Many of us have said, I couldn't help myself. I just had to say it. I couldn't help myself. You're right. You probably couldn't help yourself. Our kids, Brenda and my kids, were strictly prohibited from using certain words when they were little. Words like, who's in the room? Um, G-O-S-H. Like, you can't say that word. Like, it's sort of like an adult word, and they weren't allowed to say him, right? But Cody, sorry, Cody, you have been like my whipping post here for the last number of weeks, but Cody just gave us all kinds of stories as a little boy, right? So one day... The neighborhood we were in uh, had, there was an intersection just down the road from our house. And this car blew through the intersection and there were these big pine trees and it literally flew into the pine tree and was sort of like hanging up there in the pine tree. Well, Brenda and Cody were at home. They heard the noise and they walked down the street to find out what was going on. And they were just like, there's a car in that tree on the way back. But Cody, like, he likes words. And as a little boy, he was always like, he was using a lot of words, and he so desperately wanted to say G-O-S-H. So on the way home, instead of actually just saying it, he goes, Mom, that was almost an oh my gosh. Not quite, but it was almost an oh my gosh. Listen, that's a, that's 
funny on this side of it, and it was funny in the moment. We enjoyed telling that story. But isn't that so true for many of us, maybe all of us at some, on, some, on one hand, is that there are words that we know we really shouldn't say, but boy, in the moment, does it feel good to say those words. In the moment. At our house, when I was growing up, in, in, my, in my memory, I feel like there were all these things around the house that reminded me to watch my words. There was a poster I think it was in, like, upstairs in our bathroom or something. It said, make sure your brain is engaged before opening your mouth. Good principle. It's one I remember to this day. On our neighbor's barn, they had this saying painted. Look out for your tongue. It's in a wet place and liable to slip. Every time you drove by, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good reminder. That's a good reminder. The book of Proverbs has this saying in chapter 21, verse 23. Watch your tongue. He's really straightforward. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> That's a good one to remember, right? Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Listen, there are all kinds of ways that we use and misuse words. But there are moments where we should say words that we refrain from saying. Like, for example, as a child, my parents were incredible, like incredible parents. But one thing they didn't know how to do was give affirmation. And so as I grew up, I was hungry for affirmation, but they didn't say it. Gotcha. They didn't say it. And I remember one time, one time I was experimenting with watercolors and I was, I was painting and it was late at night as a little boy. I was painting with watercolors and my dad had been, had been gone and he came back and I heard him sort of heard him come home, but I was, I fell asleep at the table and I was, had my head down, was sleeping, but I heard him come in the door. And when he saw what I had just done, his words gave me life. They were so affirming and, and just exclaiming at the beauty of what I just created. This was, this was life to my soul, words of affirmation. When you have a word of affirmation, you should say it, and especially when you are dealing with young children. As a teen, as a teen year, when I was, when I was coming into like 17, 18, um, I had grown up, measure your words, make sure your brain's engaged before your, your, your mouth is opened, right? So all of these things were front of mind, but when I became a teenager, and then when I started hanging out with people that grew up differently than I did, that didn't have some of the good input in their life the way I had had it, the words I was hearing were words that I eventually adopted, and so, out of my mouth came all sorts of evil. I'm just going to say it, it, all sorts of evil. And it wasn't like all of a sudden I just started saying all these words and all these phrases. It was, it was like a gateway drug for me. It was a little bit, huh, felt kind of good. And then 
the next opportunity, I said a little more. And pretty soon, I was really good at using language that was unbecoming to me. And then, as I became a young adult and found my way back to Jesus and allowed him to do redeeming work in me, it was like a, a light switch on my words, and I it, it, I cleaned it up so fast and it was so freeing and so beautiful. And then I heard words coming out of older Christians' mouths that I thought they weren't bad. They weren't bad words, but they were unnecessary words, like maybe G-O-S-H. And then I had gotten so whitewashed at that moment, like my language was all clean but I heard someone else say something, and here's my point. It wasn't necessarily wrong what they were saying, but just because you aren't necessarily saying words that are unbecoming and evil doesn't mean they're always necessary, and remember those that are around you. Hear you speak. And so it's, it's significant, and it's important to allow yourself to consider all the time, how do my words measure up with my character? Are my words necessary? Are they good? Who's hearing me speak? And what impact am I going to have on them? So my question to you this morning, what trips you up? Have your buttons been pushed recently? Well, if you're the cussing type, what loosens your tongue? What are the things that happen that loosen your tongue? Here's the thing. If we believe that the tongue has the power of life and death, that our words either speak life or they speak death, that our tongues can build up or they can tear down, then how do we gain control over our words? How do we gain control over our tongue? Well, the Apostle Paul, uh, he's in the same boat. Like, I think the Apostle Paul probably had a pretty sharp tongue at times. Here's what he says in Romans 7. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And then it's like, I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave to sin. So if Paul struggled, and let's just say that for today's purposes, that if he struggled with negative thoughts and turned in, that turned into negative words, then how in the world are we going to get victory over our words? How are we gonna do it? Because I believe this is an area that we all, every single one of us, sometimes I'm up here speaking and I'm not sure if I'm gonna speak actually uh, something that is gonna ring true with you or that you can identify with. But I guarantee you without exception, we all want to get better at this area of speaking. We want to speak with a renewed mind that elevates every space we walk into. We want to say it. We want to say the good, speak the healing word, say the thing that restores and blesses and affirms. Yes, we say it. But how do we get from where we are to where we want to be? Isn't that the question about, of, of so many of our situations in our lives? I'm here, but how do I get to there? How do I get to where I want to be? Well, James 
the brother of Jesus writes the book of James and, and he, might have, he might give us some clues. So in James 1, 19 and 26, he, he speaks to this. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Because if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and, by the way, your religion is useless. So around here, we believe a, a very simple mission for our church is to know Jesus and our neighbor. By saying that, we're saying it's not just about you and it's not just about me, but it is about our neighbors. Jesus talks to, speaks to this when he says, this is the greatest, the first and greatest commandment to love Jesus, to know Jesus, first and greatest commandment. The second one is, is like it and to love and know your neighbor. This is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. In Colossians 4, 5, and 6, there's a continuing admonishment of how then to live. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. So be wise in the way you act toward unbelievers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This morning, do you feel like an outsider? Do you feel like an outsider? Perhaps we can even the playing field a little bit. So we're going to continue now in James chapter three. James chapter three. This is what James writes. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we, isn't that a, isn't that a breath of fresh air? James, the brother of Jesus says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Whew, that's a good thing. For if we could control our tongues, we could be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. And it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I'm not exactly sure what, the apost what, what James is saying with set on fire by hell itself, except to say that the power of the tongue can be good and it can be very, very bad. Hell is very, very bad. So we can go that route. The tongue, it is the most difficult member of the body to control. And James says, if you can control it, you've reached perfection. Because here's the thing. The power of the tongue, with the power of the tongue, the words we speak can change the atmosphere of our home. It can change the atmosphere of our workplace. Think about it. Think about this. You're about to yell at your kid. Go ahead. We all yell at our kids sometimes. But don't say words that are going to be detrimental to their well-being, right? Retract those words. Think about this. Take a breath. Take a breath. And think about what you're about to say. Is it helpful? Yes, it is. <laughs> Sit down. All right. There are times. With the power of the tongue, 
We can sway multitudes. How many times have I swayed y'all this morning? Say it. There you go. Power of the tongue. You can alter the destiny of nations with the power of the tongue. Abraham Lincoln, four score and seven years ago, swayed, swayed the nation, absolutely changed the course of the United States of America. A horse's bit, a ship's rudder, a spark, the tongue, all small in size, yet powerful in influence. The tongue, our words, can, can both control and destroy, can both control in a good way and actually destroy as well. James describes the tongue's influence as destructive, corrupting the whole person. Now, if you're sitting there going, well, yeah, but the tongue's controlled by the mind. Yeah, that's right. It's not the actual tongue. The tongue is the, is the source of the words, and yet the tongue is controlled by the mind, the intelligent, communicating mind that uses the tongue as its instrument. So the mind corrupts the whole person, and the corrupt tongue sets the whole course of life on fire. Now, in James chapter 3, verse 7, he goes on to say, people can tame all of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. In Genesis, God gives man and woman dominion over creation. But wouldn't you know, us humans, we've lost dominion over ourselves. We've lost dominion over ourselves. We can't figure out. We, we can figure out how to control a thousand pound horse with a little bit, but not our words. Now, James uses the, the concept of compare and contrast, and, and, he, and he says uh, the fig tree's not gonna produce grapes. Well, no. Salty water out of a freshwater spring. No, of course not. He's pointing us to the real deal here of we cannot behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable if we are actually naming the name of Jesus. He says, no one can tame the tongue. But I'm here to tell you this morning, no one can tame the tongue, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can enact the power of the Holy Spirit in us and gain control over this area of our lives. We have to eliminate the inconsistency of a follower of Jesus speaking like one who is unredeemed. If you've been redeemed by the power of Jesus, your words are going to match up with that redemption. So what's the antidote? What do we do? What do we do? Well, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Renew your mind and your tongue will follow suit. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Because only a a renewed uh, heart can produce pure speech. Those that are pure in speech are, first of all, pure in mind, pure in heart, because out of the mouth, the, out, of the, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Whatever's in here, it's coming out, friends. It is coming out. And the only way this is, this is renewed is if this is renewed. Right thinking produces right speech. Only a renewed heart can see the good and call it out. Only a renewed heart can see the good and say it. it. Christians, you and I, those of us who follow Jesus, we are not exempt from this sin issue of the words we speak. We're sometimes actually the greatest culprits in the use of words that harm. So don't embarrass yourself and your faith. Choose a new way. Choose to renew your mind. Mark Merrill, who is a blogger and author, says that um, there are five filters that we could uh, put into practice that may help us, practically help us transition from now to a renewed place, from, from, from a use of words that are detrimental to the use of words that lift up and give people grace. So what happens if you're vacuuming and you've got the filter? Hopefully you've got your filter in the vacuum. But what happens when you have the filter in the vacuum? It traps the dirt, right? It traps the dirt. So here are five filters to pass through, to pass your words through, and uh, it'll extract some of the dirt. Number one, do I have good motives? This is so good. Like before you speak, do I have good motives about that? Is, this, is what I'm about to say beneficial or selfish? Uh, you know what? Uh, this is true for those of us that speak in front of you. Those of us that preach, uh, it's, just, it's true for us. These filters, do I have good motives? Do I have ulterior motives or are my motives pure? It's, just, it's good for me as well as you in, your, in our everyday language. Does it build up? Number two, does it build up? See, words are not neutral. Words aren't neutral. They either tear down or they build up. They either hurt or they're helpful. Number three, is it confidential? If someone tells me something in confidence, my job is to make sure I don't ever mention it to another person. And if you can't do that, it's important for you to say up front, don't tell me, don't tell me, because I'm not gonna be able to retain that information. If you want me to keep this in confidence, sometimes someone tells me something in confidence and they say, don't even tell your wife. And I'm like, "Mm, probably not gonna happen. So if she can't know, don't tell me. Don't tell me. If the person I'm speaking about, number four, if the person I'm speaking about was present, would they be pleased with my words? Now, we've all heard this one before, but it's, it's importance. We cannot overstate its importance. We should always honor other people, whether they are with us or not. Now, let me just say that sometimes you need to resolve some problems. You need counsel. You need good counsel. It doesn't mean that you cannot talk to anyone about the issue at hand to get good counsel. This 
would point toward gossip more than anything else. Remember the Saturday Night Live skits by the church lady? Well, she was created because there is this idea that around the church there are gossipers. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage us that we not be a place that we, where we gossip, that we measure our words, that we ask, would this person be honored if, I, if they were here? Would they like what I'm about to say? Number five, the fifth filter is, is it true? See, truth trumps everything. If it's not true, don't say it. If it's not true and you're about to say it, you make yourself a liar. Say the truth. Most of us struggle with one or more of these filters. Use them and they will help to guard your tongue from speaking words that diminish and malign. Use them and you will have the freedom to speak good into people's lives. Use them and you will elevate every room you walk into. Say it. Proverbs 4, 23 to 24 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Guard your heart, friends. Watch your mouth. Keep your eyes focused on the good and keep your feet on the path of right living. As I prepped for this weekend, I thought, what does Jesus say? And Jesus speaks through the writers of the Bible to the Old and New Testament. Jesus is speaking throughout all of this. But specifically, what is he saying about words? What does Jesus say to us? And in John chapter 6, verse 63, he writes these words. He says these words. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. He's talking to his disciples just previous to this verse and talking to them about some hard subjects. And he says, but some of you still don't believe. Even though I'm right here and I'm telling you this is the truth, some of you still don't believe. Well, what I'm telling you is I am telling you words that are spirit and life. Now, we can be in this space this morning, and we can be online this morning, and we can say, but I'm not Jesus. How do I, how do I get to speak words of spirit and life? It's actually a really good question. We've already answered it. See, Jesus says we're going to do even greater things than him on this earth. That's astounding. We've already answered the question of how do I... Speak with spirit and life. How do I speak words that have the life of Jesus in them? How do I speak words that have the Holy Spirit in them? It is with a renewed mind. It is with a restored and renewed heart. It is with the receiving of the redemption of Jesus over all of our lives. See, we like to think that we can segment our lives and say, now I'm gonna give you this. <laughs> I don't know about this one. But over here, this one is good. Like you can have that, that, not quite there with this one. If you want to speak with spirit and in life, 
If you want to speak words that will elevate the room wherever you go, you gotta give it all. The renewed mind comes with a surrendered heart, soul, mind, body. Everything. Margaret Thatcher was quoted as saying, watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your habits, for they become your character. Powerful words. What we pay attention to is what we will value. What we pay attention to is what we value, and what we value will become our destiny. What you value, what you pay attention to, it's where you're gonna end up. So recently I had surgery and I had uh, seven different incisions and uh, I feel great. Uh, this Tuesday it'll be six weeks, yeah. This Tuesday it'll be six weeks since the surgery happened. I should have all my restrictions lifted. And here's the thing, my scars have been pretty well healed up for the last probably three weeks or so. But the insides, my abdomen, where the surgery occurred, not so much. See, here's the thing. Some of you, some of you look, well, you all look great. Some of you pretend you got the smile on your face, you got the right clothes on, you smell good, you got it all going on. But the truth is, you're all tore up inside. The truth is, the pain is unresolved inside. The truth is, you've allowed fear to keep you from complete healing. Because you get real comfortable with the things that are undone. You get real comfortable with the pain that still is inside. And even though the scars are all healed up, the pain still exists. The pain is still real. The forgiveness is, un is real. The unforgiveness is real. The things that are left undone is real. Here's the thing. If Jesus is anything, he is our redeemer. He is our healer. He comes to bring us into alignment with the truth of the words of life and spirit. So if you want 
to say the good, if you wanna speak the healing word, if you wanna say the thing that restores and blesses and affirms, don't resist the healing balm of Jesus. Don't resist withholding, the, uh, I do resist withholding words of affirmation and grace and love. These are so significant. And sometimes it takes just a little step of faith to say, I'm gonna speak a good word to that person. And, and the, the things that are unhealed, the things that need to be redeemed inside of you, the, the hurt, the pain, the, the, the scars are masking. If those things begin to be healed simply by an act of faith on your part, because you're gonna speak it with a renewed mind. And it's not like, you know, Jesus can, the Holy Spirit is in this place this morning because you and I are here and he can come and he can pour blessing and healing right over you this morning completely change you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, completely change you inside, reflecting on the outside. He can do that. But sometimes it requires you to have a step of faith to say, I'm gonna say the right thing. I'm so scared to go talk to that person. I don't wanna do this, but I'm gonna open my mouth and I'm gonna say what I need to say. It's a word of affirmation. It is a word of grace. It is a word of love. And by doing so, it is an act that will facilitate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, we think, well, I can't do all these big things. Don't do the big things, do the little things. And the little things will become big things. If you don't start with the small, you'll never do the big. Because everyone, everyone, the Proverbs writer says, enjoys a fitting reply. It is a wonderful say, thing to say the right thing at the right time. So we can do this together. We can do this together. Would you stand with me? If we will only lean into Jesus and believe that a renewed mind is a renewed life because when we are renewed, then we're filled with the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Philippians writer says, keep our thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Say it. Say it and elevate every room you walk into. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.